Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all transgender, people of color led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non colonial anti orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and this is my cast. Hi everyone, my name is C, I use they them pronouns, and I play Oka Hien, Asamar blood hunter and monster hunting expert. I'm Erica, and I play V Noct Shurzo, your lovable elf sorcerer slash charlatan with draconic ancestry. My name is Lyra, and I use they she pronouns. I play Manaya Wairua, a half orc fighter with a sailing background. I'm Max, my pronouns are they them, and I play Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra artificer and researcher on the run from his former employers at the Ohanahi Research Laboratory. You can support Transplaner RPG by pledging to our Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res assets, and much, much more. You can also support us by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps immensely with getting new listeners to find us. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include complex and complicated relationships, death, and trauma. Arc 4, Episode 11 Sparkles, Particles, Chrysalis From Whom You Love by Joseph O. Legaspi We open on the Ogumor River Valley in Kirtal. The golden rays of Galtanger peer through the oscillating peaks of the highlands in the distance, sharp fingers of morning dipping into an ice-cold stream. And we see a twig floating down this babbling current. And then the pebbles on the shore begin to jitter, jump, vibrate, as hooves pound across the mud and splash into the river. The twig snaps underfoot, and we see a herd of 15 spotted cows running across the stream, tossing their huge horned heads in agitation. They stampede through the water and disappear down a grassy knoll, never to be seen again. And now we cut to an empty cow pen made of wooden logs, its gate unlatched, hanging open like a liar's jaw. A woman paces in front of the pen, tearing at her hair in agony. She whirls onto a child leaning against a nearby hitching post. Itvala, why did you let the cows out? Without their milk, we won't last the winter. No one will trade with us. And the child looks up at their mother, their big black eyes unblinking. I was bored. 
and we hold on this expression of placid curiosity as an older face fades in over it. We see that this child is now grown. The soft angles of their jaw have hardened, their hair is longer, their lips fuller, but that look of cold, detached interest remains. Now we see Idvala leaning against a darkened concrete wall somewhere in the championship, their head cocked to one side as their employer hands them a fat sack of gold coins. For your troubles, you can leave now if you want. It's been a pleasure doing business with you. Actually, I'd like to watch, if that's okay. <laughs> you want to watch my men kick the shit out of a mole? Yes. I think it would be interesting. Their employer tilts their head to the side, his prosthetic tail curling in tandem to the smile on his whiskered face. <laughs> You're an odd one, Idvala. Suit yourself. And as the noises begin, the grunting, the cracking, the eventual screaming. We stay on Idvala's face, their dully interested expression as blood splatters against sewer walls. And through it all, Idvala never blinks. And we cut to Idvala again, but they don't look like themselves anymore. Their skin is blue, tusks curl from their bottom lip, a mop of golden curls coils on their head. They sit in an extra-dimensional space comprised of six opaque white walls. Their eyes, however, are fixed on a rectangular window on the floor, a three-by-five-foot viewing pane into the material plane beyond. They see the ground, trees, bridges, gardens, bouncing past their gaze with such hideous jittering that even a lifelong sailor would get green around the gills. But Edvala doesn't look away. They simply watch and wait. The jittering finally stops inside a chamber, where Idvala sees four statues, a mahjong table, and the first and second wives of the emperor themselves. They breathe deeply and then touch the back of their neck. And now we cut to the five of you, Oka, Manaya, Dewey, V, and Rev. You stand in Queen Gua's private gambling chamber. The air here is taut with magic, the threads of the weave pulling tight against your bodies and souls. Queen Mo, first wife to the emperor, looms in a shadowy pocket of the chamber, her dagger-sharp gaze fixed on your party. And in two, she addresses Oka, and Oka alone. Secondborn, you look surprised to see me. Nip uses cold fucking ass crack. Uh, and Oka, I've been coming up with curses, uh, and Dake specific curses, by the way. Uh, that was one of them. Oka, I think, has completely just paused in the doorway. Uh, like they were halfway in and they have not gotten any further than halfway in, and their hand is like resting on the door frame itself. Um, and they are paused, and it seems like the, like the calculations are all coming back to them that they, they're like stuck, kind of like suspended in this moment. And they like look down like they're trying to think. And then they look at V, the back of V's head. I am very surprised to see you more. <laughs> you should know better. 
than to think that the first wife of the emperor wouldn't be aware of every single twig that cracks underfoot, every bug that takes flight from a leaf, every sneeze snotted out of every nose. Of course I'd be here. Why wouldn't I? If you knew what was good for you, you would get out now. <laughs> Unfortunately, I like to gamble. And she sort of like paces out of the shadow. And at that, the huge Goliath woman with like this like silver hair braided down her back, Queen Gula, the second wife of the emperor, also steps forward. And I think she like, um, she, she takes a seat uh, at the head of the gambling table. There are only two seats out. The one she just sat in, and the one directly across from her. That V you sat in when you gambled against her a couple days ago. Hmm. Let's cut the pleasantries. Where's the spy? No, I, I am not doing this with her here. V, what is going on? Look, look, friends, friends. Uh, and V is speaking in true as well. Uh, there are times where where predators are are dancing with their prey and then there's times when there's a stampede and we all just have to get along as we move away from inherent danger so let's for this moment let's uh be gentle with each other let's let's just be here to do what we must to survive shall we not and v like looks at oka and moi back and forth and Oka has their fucking gaze pinned on V specifically and like really like stalks up to her and speaks low. V, I can't do this with her here. What are you thinking? Why didn't you tell me she would be here? Look, look, friend, I understand that you're feeling. Did you not hear anything that I had told you? I I hear things, yes! Do you know what I did how hard I had to fight to even get this space? It's it's not like you just reserve this room whenever you feel like it. And Oka looks toward Queen Wa. You think you know everything, really? Then why did it take you this long to find the spy? Why did you need us? It's called outsourcing, darling. Something only people in power can do. Now show me the spy. Manaya elbows Dewey a little bit. That's so cute. Yeah, I think Dewey was a little bit um, caught up by scary Queen Wa. Uh, but he quickly lifts up like the big ring and like opens it and then like shakes it oh my god <laughs> even though it's an extra dimensional <laughs> do you shake it over like the other chair like the one across from queen Gua? yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah yeah you open up the aperture i think there's like a creaking noise and all of you feel like the weave sort of loosen around where dewey like like clanks this hole open and then it's just sort of like slotting out like they're coming out at the end of a shoot Invala. Uh, this blue-skinned half-orc just sort of, like, falls, like, onto the chair, right? And I think maybe their wrists and arms are still bound by blood magic, right? By the threads of, like, Oka's, Oka's blood. And they, <clears throat> they sit, right? Their golden curls sort of, like, mopping down over their eyes. And then they look up, directly into Queen Gua's eyes. And then they slowly look around, like, taking in their environs, their gaze lingering on, like, every statue in every corner, before their face finally turns back to Queen Guo. They don't speak. So, the spy. And Queen Mo steps forward, I think, like her like feet slowly like padding over the stone tile, like predatory, like pacing behind Queen Guo. Oka would come up behind Idvala, like almost protectively, um, and kind of get in between, uh, like if she could not, like, they're not letting her get close. <laughs> this is our interrogation. Don't fucking forget that. 
<laughs> you forget your place, Prince Hien. You made it clear that I would have no place, and now I don't have to play by your fucking rules. More. Hm. You have no place. <laughs> but you could have at least thought to save some face in front of the rest of your paragon friends, is it? V starts uh, coughing uncomfortably. You know, I hate to belabor the point, friends, but uh, could we just maybe co-interrogate just a little bit? I would hate to, like, have family strife get in the way of a really good interrogation. I mean, I'm really looking forward to this. So if we could just, you know, put aside our differences for just, you know, give us a little bit of time, maybe half a day even, to just be like, you can fight. Right after, truly, this is this is a place for gambling, not for for doing shady things. Aren't they just one and the same? Wait, come, Oka, Oka, um, and V is like walks over to Oka, and again in hushed tones, like, "Look, I know that you're really fuming here, but really, 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 I please, for the sake of what's going on, just let us." Get through this however we can to get what we information we need. You know what? Fine. You can get through it. You want this? You want her hair? Fine. I'll just get out of your hair and it won't be a problem. I have things to do anyway. Uh, and Oka turns uh, and starts to stalk out of the room. Uh, Oka, wait. I it's fine. I trust my paragon friends. Uh, and they throw that at Prince Mo uh, Queen Moa to keep you in line. And they slam the fucking door shut behind them. <laughs> oh, ever the temper tantrum. I see very little has changed of their temperament. Very well, then. Shall we get along with the interrogation? Yeah, can we stop giving a uh, head tilt towards the spy? Any ammunition, like all the ammunition they need to break us up? Like, can we present a united front here? <laughs> well, it's not like the spy's ever going to go back to their employers after this. V and I have brokered a deal. You can hold on to the spy for a little while after this interrogation is done. But of course, this is treason against the Tulongan throne. And as a result, this spy belongs to the kingdom at the end of the day. Justice must be meted out. Well, that, I'm glad that we've come to this understanding. Uh, so let's get back to the business at hand. And with that, like V like swivels to the spy and her face is very much different and more serious and stern so friend welcome i'd like to welcome you and uh let me just tell you you're in quite a pickle you're surrounded by so much power magical power that i think it would behoove you to play along and tell us what we want to know don't you agree the spy looks up, like, sort of askance sideways at you, right? Like, their orcish eyes fixed on you. And to punctuate your statement, Queen Guo raises a hand and curls it into a fist, like, next to her head. And all of you feel, like, the strings of magic in this room sort of, like, like swirl down toward where the spy's sitting and sort of, like, wrap them up, right? And if you were, like, attuned to the weave, you can almost imagine silvery threads of truth magic, like, binding their body, wrapping all the way up and pulling tight. So the only person who has to speak truthfully and is compelled to speak truthfully is Idvala. And Idvala... <clears throat> 
sort of like groans a little uncomfortably. It's almost like maybe this like soul magic is painful or at the very least extremely discomforting as they sort of shift a little bit in, in their seat. <laughs> you know, this is one part of interrogations I never get sick of. Go ahead, V. Ask your questions. Well, uh, friend, hello. I hope you... You feel exactly what I'm talking about, that don't mess with us here. So I'd like you, I'd first like to just ask you, where do you come from? <laughs> I come from all over. Don't you? V. Noxcherzo. Oh, you know my name. I have a fan. How delightful. Uh, and what was your name, by the way? I'm your good friend, Edvala. Nice to meet you, Edvala. And, um, how long have you been here in the court? <laughs> Couple of months now. Oh, well, you've c certainly been busy, it seems like. Haven't we all? We all have jobs to do. Speaking of, of work, you say you've got jobs to do. Uh, could you please inform us who you, who you work for? <laughs> <clears throat> And at that, you see, like, a vein in the side of Edvala's neck sort of pop out. And, like, their teeth sort of, like, grind against each other. It's like they're fighting against the magic, right? And they say, I can't tell you their names or their faces. Or I'll die. Oh, interesting. I've... I almost got myself into such an agreement before with a group, and thankfully I did not, uh... They were called the Chrysalis, there was a contract, I, 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 it was a scary situation, so I understand what kind of trouble you, you may be in here. And like, when V is mentioning the Chrysalis, she's trying to like, look on his face to see if there's any sort of recognition or any type of tell about that. Roll insight. Alright. Oof, <laughs> that's only a 10. Their face does contort when you say the chrysalis, but you're not sure if it's just because they're sort of like gritting their, their teeth through the pain or if they recognize the, the phrase. Perhaps pursuing that line of questioning might behoove you. Yeah, uh, I think V sees the twitch and goes in a little bit further, like, just question, did you ever meet Adam? Did you ever get to say hello to our, my good friend Adam? <laughs> no, I have not. But you know who he is. I know of him. So you have had experience with the chrysalis. Uh, uh. And then all of these see sort of like um, their body seems to ripple. Almost like a mirage. Like starting from like their head. And like the golden curls fall away and sort of ripple into these... Um, this colorless, stringy white hair, right? Rippling all the way down, you see like the blue skin turns like to completely white, like snow white, like almost translucent, even beyond Halo's skin skin tone. And then all the way down, what they're wearing doesn't change, like the servant's robes, but their entire body, like their species and their appearance completely changes. So this blue skinned half-orc disappears and melts away and into a changeling humanoid translucent skin you see these like blue veins sort of like underneath underneath the, the the layer of their skin and their eyes when they open them again are like wide and pitch black with like the stringy white hair sort of framing their face i may or may not know the chrysalis 
At this, Manaya is going to slowly head down, very respectfully walk over to Queen Wan to ask a question in hushed tones. Okay. She allows you to approach. I think she's got her fan out and is watching the interrogation very closely. And then like one eye slides over as you like come closer and she like lifts her snout sort of like above, above the edge of the fan. In uh, Sue, Manaya opens with uh, a thousand apologies for distracting you from this, your highness. I and mean, I think Manaya doesn't quite know how to address the queen in Sue or even in common but is using the most respectful language she can muster. And in common, she continues, Idvala mentioned they would die if they talked too much about their employers. Is there anything we can do to prevent that? <laughs> well, of course, that depends on the nature of this curse. Or is it a contract? Answer. <clears throat> contract. Well, I mean, I know what it is to enter into agreements that may have significant negative effects if you were to break such agreement. And with that, V like shoots an eye at Queen Moi um, and then goes back to Idvala. And I wouldn't want you to be hurt in any way, but uh, but I think you've said quite a bit. And by the way, this, this look, I, I, I much preferred. Maybe you should stay looking like this. It's... You're very wonderful to look at like this. And and then Avitar like uh, clears her throat a little bit. And friend, I was just curious. Um, I've heard such things that there is <laughs> some kind of assassin, maybe known as a Paragon killer. I'd, it's you, you hear such things. Uh, and I also hear such, such uh, employees have a handler and that you may or may not know who this handler for a Paragon killer, if, you know, hypothetically, if there was one here somewhere in the kingdom. Uh, is this a true? Do you know of a handler of a Paragon killer here? <laughs> Mu Piao, always the weakest link of our operation. Yes, it's true. There is a Paragon killer and there is a handler. My main point of contact has been the handler. Oh, um, and are they, they're here? In Ducal and somewhere in the kingdom? Of course they are. They have been for months now. Interesting, interesting, and, uh, could I get a name? You're not, you're, just say a name out loud that may or may not be a, a handler, but, uh, I know. can't, or I'll die, and that's the truth. Can you write it? Do you hands the sheet of paper, parchment? I can't do that either. I can't communicate it in any way, shape, or form. Where? Okay, uh, what about this, friend? Can you tell us where we might find Handler? Just a location. They operate out of Dokao. I've never been. We scry. Huh. You scry you've never met. Interesting. We have met, just not wherever they're operating out of. Various places. A bar, a gambling parlor, a tea shop. They're very crafty. They always change the location of where we meet. Oh, that's very convenient for them, isn't it? Uh, do you have a place and time that you were expecting to meet them next? Yes. Would you like to share that time and place? No, I would not. Where? 
Are you meeting them? And when? The wedding is in a few days now. Less than a week. They were going to... <clears throat> join the audience, the attendees, and watch. Make sure the assassination goes off without a hitch. I was going to meet them... <clears throat> by Mu Piao's garden, but I was going to check in about that after today. Obviously, things will change if I get out of here. If they don't hear from me, they will become suspicious, and I don't know what their next move will be. Well, isn't that interesting? If... I mean, I suppose you wouldn't be very interested in helping us put out together a little trap, would you? No, I'm not interested. I think uh, at this point, V might cast a little bit of a glance at the two queens in the room. Um, and then goes back to, to Dvala. You know, friend, if I were you, I'd, I'm trying to be the gentle one here. If I let you go to those two queens, I mean, especially that Queen Moi, you're not going to have a good day or night or probably a life. So if you're afraid of dying now, I promise you it will probably just be worse. The only person who can break the contract is the person who offered it to me in the first place, the handler. I'm not interested in dying at this juncture, so I will cooperate. Well, you know, we're not cold-hearted people. If we can help get you out of this contract, I know I, and V's like looking to the rest of the group, I would be more than interested in helping our dear friend who's merely a victim of circumstance and fate get out of such a terrible binding agreement. Am, am I alone in this sentiment? Oh, I'm all about uh, freeing good people from uh, bad contracts and all. Hmm. I wouldn't call myself a good person. Okay, well... I was trying my best. People from bad contracts. I will tell you what I can tell you in that case. If my life is to be assured in my safety. I think at that V will cast one more uh, glance at Queen Moi to like give that feeling of like, do you agree that like if he works with us that you're not going to kill him? Queen Moi has shielded most of her face with her fan and her eyes sort of narrow over the top of the fan. But she just gives, like, a slow nod at you. All right, friend. It seems like compassion has smiled upon you today. It seems like, yes, we are interested in helping you. We don't want to condemn you to death. Uh, so we will do our best. And when I say our best, friend, let me tell you, our best is quite phenomenal. We have done things that most people of Endake couldn't imagine so, I mean, you know that we're paragons, so you know what we're capable of. So, trust me when I say that we are here to help. Hmm. I do know what you're capable of. I also know what my handler and the paragon killer are capable of. You don't know what kind of a mess you're getting yourselves into. And they sort of, like, look at each of you in turn. There are forces working against you beyond your comprehension. But I will cooperate. For now. The Handler and I are supposed to meet the week of Raven 1 
in just a few days. The day the foreign dignitaries are to arrive for the wedding and offer their royal gifts to Prince Moore and Halo. We are to meet at Mu Piao's garden, exactly where you kidnapped me. Excellent. And, um, do you have a time of day that you're to meet? Eight o'clock. In the evening. Well, that's a good start, friend. That's a very, very good start. Now, mm, V's thinking about it. Trying to decipher. She, she basically has maybe two ideas. One is pretending to be Idvala. The other is to let Idvala, you know, be the sort of the decoy. Uh, and I think V is thinking about this and maybe expresses, uh, do you think it would be okay if you were to meet this handler of yours and we were nearby, or would you prefer not to be there and perhaps someone maybe as talented as myself pretending to be you? I would vastly prefer not to be there. I fear that they might kill me first if they knew of my treason. Me giving you this information, I am already risking my life. I'm skirting around the fine print of the contract. I might unravel at any moment now, but I think I have not yet violated the terms of our agreement. Let me go. I'll leave Dokao. I'll leave the kingdom. Just let me go. I'm telling the truth. Uh, and V looks to the second queen, uh, a little bit for just like, obviously, obviously this person is surrounded by truth magic. I don't know if it's necessarily the smartest. It's quite, I'm a gambler. I am quite a gambler. And I just don't know if this is quite the situation to gamble on letting you go completely. However... Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to maybe finding you a safe place to be while we allow this meetup to happen. And if everything goes without a hitch, we will be able what, to let you go. What, that extra dimensional your, space again? You think, you think the handler and their paragon killer won't be able to find me? They won't be able to ambush the bird and, and, and take me and kill me? Look, Fred, there's lots of people trying to get that bird. Don't, don't throw a bird under the bus like this. I am not going back inside that hole. I, I've been in that hole, friend. It's a very lovely hole. <laughs> I would uh, vastly prefer not. Well, then it appears our interests are aligned. How about this? In exchange for your cooperation, we'll put you in a too long prison. Here, in the slumbering palace, where security is high. <laughs> You'll be much safer here than in some hole. Okay, okay, but what about a hole inside of the prison? I mean, that's that's really the best of both worlds. You want me to babysit this Fine, person? fine, fine. If they want to just go to prison, I'm just trying to give them as much safety as possible, but fine. If they want to be sitting in a in one of the finest prison cells in all of Endake, I'm sure they're going to have wonderful meals and be treated with civility and very lovely and... We will take care of everything you said just a few days away, so I think if this is what they want and what you want and everybody wants, I'm I'm good for this plan. How about what do you say, Manaya? Dewey? Manaya does not meet anyone's eyes. She stands at the back of the room. Probably next to Dewey. Dewey turns his head and like ducks under and is like trying to look at get a read on Manaya's face. There's a shadow on her face. You can't tell 
if it's like a, she doesn't want to say anything because she doesn't want to reveal anything, or if it's just a disliking the idea of interrogation. All right. Very well. No blood was shed on this day, which is a little bit of a disappointment, but hey, we all get our kicks somewhere. My queen, first wife, do you have any more lines of inquiry you would like to ask this spy? No. That will suffice for now. Second wife, get your men to escort this spy to the dungeons. Yes, my lady, certainly. And Queen Guo sort of stands up, her like huge eight-foot frame towering over everyone. And she sort of like makes like a, 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 a I think a whistling noise. Uh, and like the doors open and guards begin to flood the room. As the guards like take the spy into their custody and they start like walking out, I think Dewey catches the arm of the spy and stops them. <laughs> what do you want? What could possibly make you get into something this... Ridiculous. Like, there's got to be a reason you got into this. <laughs> and I think the spy is, like, laughing as they're being, like, carried away, right? Like, by the guards who sort of, like, maybe wrench them out of your feathered grip. And they sort of say, like, over over their shoulder, Why else do we do anything, Cardu, to alleviate boredom? And they sort of, like, turn their head back toward the door as they're being, like, carried out. And Dewey, you and you alone, make a perception check. 22. You see, it's almost completely hidden, but right before they're whisked out of the room and then like the doors close, I think behind them, you see just like a hint of like a glowing sigil peeking out from like the, the back of their collared shirt, right? Of their like servant's robes. And like the top of it with your 22, it's like glowing in red. It looks like the top half of an eye, like a glowing red eye. And if you want, as they leave, you can make an arcana check. 15. Okay, 15 is sufficient. The DC was 14. It thrums with divination magic. And it's familiar to you because you feel it all the time when Oka checks in with Dr. Aluso. It's like a scrying eye that has been active, I think, this entire time. Though for what purpose, I don't know if you know. Uh, as the doors sort of close, close on this scene. And we're going to cut to Oka. Oka has um, pushed their way all the way downstairs uh, rudely, I think. Um, and they are, I think, like, they have started to pace outside of the second queen's courtyard, like, just kind of back and forth in front of the entrance until they eventually, like, pause, like, look up at the pagoda where their friends are. And then they turn in another direction, like, they're almost halfway back to the palace itself, to the throne room. Uh, and I think they don't even realize it when they start to walk there toward the throne room again. Okay. I think your feet just sort of mindlessly take you through, like, over, like, stone bridges, streams gurgling with fresh current, right, lotus flowers floating on the tops of ponds, past hydrangea bushes, past officiants, sort of, like, playing mahjong against each other and tiles and card games and dice games on various stone tables all around you until your feet, I think, pause in front of the vast complex in the heart of the slumbering palace, the throne room of the emperor herself. Can I assume that she's in there? 
I think you can. Uh, so basically the throne room is one of many buildings that just belongs to the emperor proper. Like she's got like probably half a dozen private gardens, right? And her like, like several different kinds of bed chambers, depending on her whim, right? That she can sleep in on any given night. Um, but during this time of day, during this day of the week, she's probably in her throne room, like doing administrative work. Then I think Oka, again, just kind of like following this whim, uh, steps up uh, and starts to climb the stairs toward the throne room. As you start to climb the stairs to the throne room, I think like the stairs are lined with like imperial guards that all sort of like look at you like their plate armor creaking as their like gazes, their solemn gazes follow you, but none of them stop you. Because after all, the emperor has allowed you to roam freely and you are a second born, even though you're formerly exiled, you still are of royal blood. And you're maybe halfway up these like huge marble steps when I think your gut stops you, right? And something about your gut is like looking around this like late autumn day and you think to yourself, huh, this would be a good day to admire the peach blossoms. And I think the guards, right, the guards see like Oka get halfway up and then turn around and walk all the way back down. Uh, and I think when they get to the bottom, they kind of like have to like stop and like rub at uh, like their joints for a minute uh, before they set off toward the orchards. You enter through like a circular stone archway into the private orchards of the emperor himself. And here there are trees of every variety, peach trees, apple trees, um, hawthorn trees, uh, red oak, uh, fruits and flowering trees all around. And the fall trees here are in full bloom. They're starting to lose, I think, the final fruits because we're, we're entering, entering Raven this coming week, which is the first month of winter. And I think there's no one in here, just a couple of servants, I think, who like bow deeply as they're like sweeping with like straw um, brooms, like getting like dead leaves out of the way, but they like all bow deeply to you as you pass. Uh, no snickering laughs, no like judgmental glares from any of the servants of the emperor's court here. And I think you part through like a thorny bush, like some hanging vines to enter a little clearing where you see like a beautiful peach tree sort of in the middle of this clearing surrounded by like bushes dappled with golden flowers and a pond nearby where like koi fish sort of swim ambiently. And your mother father stands at the base of the tree, looking up into the branches and admiring them. She's dressed in those like deep azure robes that only the emperor is allowed to wear, like shot through with threads made of pure silver. She's wearing a less ornamental headdress, I think, a more practical one for day-to-day -day matters. Uh, but the cloth that usually hangs in front of her face, because it would be obscene to look upon the emperor's uncovered face, has been lifted up and it sort of like hangs over the top of their crown as they admire the peach blossoms. And you see them from maybe 15 feet away, their, their profile. This human person, right, with like a very angular jaw, three pupils in one eye, all of which are currently fixed on a blossom slowly dappling its way down through the air. I think Oka has a moment of pause, you know? And then they quietly walk up and stand next to the emperor and also like 
begin to look up into the tree. The last bloom of the year. Beautiful. But it'll be gone so soon. I can relate. I think. At that, your mother-father turns, like lowers their chin and turns to face you. And you see them, like, fully, their face. Maybe for, like, the fourth time in your life, (laughs) right? Their uncovered face just looking at you plainly. They're beautiful. Single pupil in one eye, three in the other. And you see sort of like a slit on their throat. Uh, That isn't like a wound, but it almost looks like a closed eye as they look down at you. Like, their, their hair is sort of, like, coiled up in this elaborate fashion. Don't they say that the last blossom is supposed to bloom the most beautifully but what does it really matter if there are no other flowers to share it with Hmm. I would say that the art and joy of life by itself is enough I don't think we we know very much about the art of life don't we I always thought it was more of the unlife Two sides of the same coin. Clearly, you skipped out on your court scriptures when studying for the exam. I didn't. I just... If all life leads to death, then isn't it just death? Slowly. Hmm. Child of Sen. And yet you still speak so naively about some things, Oka. Life is a cycle. It is change. It is always in flux. And part of that change is living and then dying. It's all a part of the grand cycle. But didn't you teach me that we should... That there could be, with enough grace, something beyond death, too? Of course. Lichdom. Golden beads of immortality. Peaches of longevity. Things to sustain life beyond their natural course. But at the end of the day, the queen claims us all. In the scriptures they say that Mengshen Shirdi and the Raven Queen never saw eye to eye. You speak of her as though she was an old friend. <laughs> There's no friendship without quarreling in it, Oka. There's no love without strife. Something your paragon of Scott and Nectus should be able to teach you? I think V should just stick to teaching me how to lie. I haven't been doing very well. No, you've never been good at lying. You know what your tell is, child. That I start cursing as soon as I get mad. No, you curse at everything. Your tell is that you fiddle with your clothes. You always have. The hem of your shirt. The hem of your turtleneck. The hem of your robes. You always fiddle when you lie. And I think Oka looks down at their hands, which are literally like fiddling with the edge of their like of their uh, waist wrap that they have worn for their whole life. uh, And they kind of drop it. I never thought that you would pay attention to that. And at that, the emperor turns to face you fully. And like, I think like a breeze sort of gusts through this orchard, like, bearing with it, like, the smell, the sweet, fragrant smell of peaches. Why would you think that, Oka? 
because it was so easy for you to cast me out because you threw me out of that jail cell without a second glance, told me that I meant nothing to you and left me with not a word, but a bounty on my head. And it wasn't even my fault. Did you know? Did you know that it wasn't my fault? That we were set up? I think maybe for the first time, you see your mother father's brow twist in confusion, which is a look I don't think you've ever seen them wear. They don't get confused. They always know everything all the time. But at that, their brow darkens. What do you mean? I suppose as we grow older, we realize that even the gods aren't as omnipotent as we want them to be. They're just hungry. Oka, what do you mean you were set up? Have you not asked yourself? Have you not done the proper and necessary research? After everything, why would Atzelian appear so close? If my sisters and I could walk there in a day, why would it attack us? Was it so easy to believe that I was just bad, that we were just bad and deserved it, and that I was bad for fighting back? Was that the easier thing than to ask why? Tragedy happens, Oka. Because as soon as you start asking why, it doesn't make sense. Did you ever look at the body? Did you ever look at my body after? The beast was corrupted. That much was clear. But someone had to answer for its death, Oka. I will not deny that I killed it. But that's the way law works, isn't it? So simple, so clean. Somebody must answer. The prince must die. Tragedy happens. And it's a very easy excuse. Are you intentionally not telling them about Queen Moa? Okay, make an intelligence saving throw. 21. Surprise, surprise. Ah, so close. So close. The DC was a 22. Uh, (laughs) You stand there angrily, your chest heaving, as you look up into the mismatched eyes of your mother, father, right? They're also differently colored, uh, just like these, just like Rev's. And they look at you and you feel something that feels, I think, like an icy needle plunge through your mind. Um, And you sort of see like memories of your conversation with Queen Mua getting dredged up, I think, like almost like um, your mother, father were flipping through a book of memories and just like looking at them, they sort of fall down in front of your eyes and filter past your pupils. And then that icy thread sort of leaves your body. It's very uncomfortable, but not painful uh, as they search up this memory and read it. How far did they get to like, or like, I imagine there's like the, like the sparking of a nosh too. Cause also immediately after that, Oka got their soul ripped out, like immediately following. Yes. I think the emperor sees that too. It's sort of like a, uh, pearls on a string as they sort of like go down this like series of memories like they see you like burst out of the roof like Vinash zap Queen Moa like you like whittle through the air get shot down like precisely through the joint fall to the ground the paragon killer with their mask the chisels the golden one that passes through your chest your soul laced through it like a golden thread them leaving the hounds drawn 
And then I think that's when like the memories start like fading out and like that like icy thread leaves your head. And maybe you even like stagger backward from like the force and the intensity of this magic. Um, But catching your arm is your mother father and they don't let you fall. They just hold you. And because I think magic is starting to hurt because of the emptiness of their soul, Oka's like panting and they get like a little nosebleed. I think that gets they're having trouble like controlling when and how they activate their blood magic. So I think it just kind of happens and like floats around them for just a second before falling to the ground. (laughs) That I didn't say you could do that. Uh, The emperor completely ignores that uh, and just looks at you and says, Quilian, the paragon killer. (sighs) And they like slowly, like, I think like, let go of you when they're certain that you like have stable footing. Your soul, Oka. I didn't want to tell- it's gonna- Talk to me about temperance. It's gonna mess everything up if you know. You can't know, okay? You- this- you're not- you can't- No, it'll change the future if you know, whatever I'm- And they- uh, Oka seems to kind of get distraught, you know? Like, uh, like the, the loose threads of their plan are kind of like falling down around them and they're trying to catch them. And as you're like looking around, right, like- Maybe, like, your hands are even, like, out, palms up as you're, like, trying to, like, prevent your plan from unraveling. Your mother-father reaches out and holds your wrists to steady you. And they look at you, like, in, like, directly in the eyes. Oka? Breathe. I'm not very good at that. They breathe in, like, in front of you. And, like, you sort of see their, like, chests rise up. And you feel, like, the uh, air around you, I think, gust a little. Probably as they're summoning, like, a very soothing magic sort of swirl around your feet. And you sort of, like, see, like, your the, the hems of your pant trousers sort of, like, flap up. Breathe. And Oka breathes. Like, one sharp inhale that I think, like, shudders when it gets to the top. And as, like... The inhale, like, fills your lungs. On the exhale, your mother-father says, I have always loved you, Oka. Second-born. I know a father isn't supposed to have favorites. So I don't. But if I did, you would be my favorite. And Oka's kind of, like, looking at where, like, their hands are touching. Then... Why? Why did... Why did she do that? Because I was your favorite? Your mother-father's face, which had softened, darkens like a shadow passes over it. And they sort of, like, hold a little bit more firmly onto your wrists. I was unaware of my first wife's betrayal. This is... This is treason. (laughs) I always knew Guilin was ambitious, and cruel even. The years had worn everything I loved about her to dust. And now, what remains is not but a bitter older woman. Oka, you are trueborn. And I think you would know what that means. Uh, Oka would know, even if C doesn't. Trueborn means that the Emperor herself sired you. 
So with all the other spouses, they were the carriers of the children. But trueborn means that it was the emperor who brought you to term, which would supersede any other form of birth order. Manaya, Dewey, V, and Rev. The four of you stand in Queen Gul's gambling chamber, the air still taut with truth magic now dispelled from the seat where Edvala the spy has been escorted from by Queen Gul's private elite royal guard. And as the door clangs shut with a finalistic thud behind the retreating spy, Dewey, I think your eyes sort of knit close together underneath your spectacles as you think about the top of that glowing red eye you saw peeking out of the nape of Idvala's back. But before I think you can tell this to your friends, to the other paragons, or even mention this in any way, shape, or form, all of you hear Queen Moore's voice. <laughs> Well done. That interrogation went better than expected. I do believe, and she sort of turns to each of you, that you all, what is the phrase in common? Uh, Omi? V breaks out into laughter. Well, thank you. I, I, I do believe that could have gone worse. Uh, he could have vaporized in front of our very eyes. We've seen it happen before. Uh, but, you know, I think... We've got ourselves a little bit of a, a meetup we need to get prepared for. And in terms of owing you, I, b I believe I owe more to our wonderful Queen Gua here than I do for you. I mean, all you did was make our friend Oka angry. <laughs> I will forgive your slip of respect because you are a foreigner and not used to our ways here in the palace. But if you speak like that to me again, V, it will be more than just face that you're losing. Queen Gua <clears throat> sort of shifts on her feet and looks toward like the rest of you with kind of like a peace, peace brokering expression. <laughs> now, now, everyone, now, now, there's no reason to get mad at each other. We're all on the same side here. I serve the first wife as the second wife. She is my confidant and I hers. Whatever service I have rendered you has been because she has allowed me to do so. That's right. I do believe your group would have had quite, I think, the issue getting those answers out of our little spy in the first place if it weren't for us. And now it is Queen Guo's soldiers taking Idvala to a safe place because, well, for various reasons... One of them being the fact that Dewey's little pocket dimension probably isn't as secure as we'd like it to be. So you're not just, I think, in our home, on our home turf, using our services, uh, and using up our resources. We have been nothing but consummate hosts, and I think it's time that you act as consummate guests in our home. Believe me, when it comes to your resources here, they're impressive. I mean, I have bested them once before, but, you know, that aside, let me assure you that I am very grateful for the services you've provided, and when it comes time to it, and this is, like, directly to Queen Moi, when the time comes, I will be beside your side, just like we agreed upon, so don't worry, everything's good. 
Oh, V, I don't doubt your loyalty or your ability to stand by my side. I was addressing your companions. And her eyes fall on Dewey, Manaya, and Rev. After all of this ends, there will be a reckoning, let's say. The Emperor and I will be having a conversation about lineage, birthright. A conversation, I think, that deserves to have your voices heard. Though you are guests, you are very honored ones, as paragons, no less. So I think, in exchange for us being oh so generous with our resources and helping you out in the most open-hearted way possible, I want each of you, uh, Manaya, Dewey, Rev, to swear that you will also back me if and when that conversation occurs. By that logic, I mean if the second wife serves the first, and we all serve the emperor, by that logic aren't we kind of on the same playing field? Like, we all have the same goal in mind, therefore it's less of a... Very kind of you, but like less of a big giant favor for you to help us in this regard, since we're all trying to prevent the emperor's death? We're all sticking our necks out here for each other, Cardu. Don't you think a little... Gratitude would be nice? Gratitude, yes. Very grateful. But I thought this was more of an exchange of... Like an equal exchange. Like we're all trying to get to the same goal. We are trying to get to the same goal. And you doing us a favor is also you doing you Hmm. a favor. I disagree. I think the favors we have exchanged are not equivalent in value. More than that, Cardu, I have suffered many slights since your retinue has rolled into town. One of your group has punched my darling prince in the face. He has had to get reconstructive surgery. More than that, one of your own has also insulted me brazenly multiple times i think that you swearing to back me in front of the emperor is a small price to pay for losing face queen guo uh, speaks up gold is a currency across andake but shame is the most important one here in the walls of the palace i think v looks over to dewey and he's like dewey please don't agree to anything you don't want (laughs) If you're looking to have more oaths of allegiance to you, Queen Moa, as if you don't have enough already, uh, I would double down on my own agreement with you. What do you mean? Well, let's just say, what if our friends here, the most wonderful Dewey, the strong Manaya, and, you know, Rev, who is... And V, like, blushes a little bit and, like, wipes away. Uh, what if they just simply remain neutral and they're fine? They're, they're not going to harm you or, or benefit you. They're just simply neutral party members. And if they do anything otherwise, uh, I'll, take, I'll take that bet. <laughs> so you're willing to offer up even more of yourself so your friends don't have to offer themselves to me? Am I getting this clear? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, let's just expand our agreement where if anybody here does something to harm you, uh, sure. Count me the reward for such behavior. 
<laughs> That's a little nebulous, don't you think, V? I prefer to have my agreements laid out in clear terms. How about this? And she, like, reaches for a flask, I think, at, like, this, like, strapped to her belt, and she uncorks it, and you're like, is that liquid? And then you realize it reams of flesh that sort of just swirl ambiently through the air. You, V. Nakshersa, or uh, actually, what was it? Vasanti Nakshersa, uh, will stand up for me. Make me look good and honorable. Vouch for my character in front of the emperor if and when a reckoning occurs after the wedding ceremony. You will, if it gets there, even jump in, intervene bodily, mindly, and with your soul to protect me from any of those who seek to harm me, including those who might be your friends. And you will strive to advocate for my character. V is sort of like counting on her fingers all like the terms and conditions laid out. <clears throat> this is what I'll agree to, friend. I will vouch for your character. I will defend you both for verbally and physically if need be, even magically if I have to. And I will defend you against anyone in this room. And, of course, per our post-past agreement, Oka themselves. I can't make any type of agreement to protect you from every single person in all of the kingdom. That's just silly. But in terms of those people, let's get specific. You wanted to get specificity. Those are the people I'll protect you from. And the emperor. I don't know the emperor. I don't vouch for emperor. I can only speak for the people in this room. But I will still defend you. You will have yourself a deal. If you name the emperor among the people you would protect me against. What exactly are you expecting to happen? <laughs> if you don't want to be a part of this agreement, you don't have to know. Do we have a deal, Vasanti? Uh, well, here we are. We're, 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 this is negotiations. I still, I don't, why would I agree to anything against the emperor? That would, that would be tra treasonous, would it not? To go against the emperor, would you not agree? It would be treacherous. <laughs> you are a fulfilled paragon of one of the eight. As far as the ancient myths go, all of the paragons are on equal footing, whether they used to be a lowly serf elevated to hero status or if they were born into wealth. It would not be treason for you. Interesting, uh, interesting logic. How just a little bit ago you were kind of saying, "Oh, just because you're a paragon doesn't mean you shouldn't slight me." And now here you are. You're a paragon. You're above. You're equal to emperor. That's. I think you're getting. In, I think you're saying some things, friend, that you would regret saying that I wouldn't have to repeat to other people. So, let's just put the emperor off to the side. I will remain neutral to emperor. I won't. Fight or protect Emperor if something regarding a reckoning, as you call it, happens. Fine. Physically, you may stay neutral if the Emperor intervenes, but verbally, you will defend me. That I could agree with. Very well. Then we have ourselves an updated deal. And she's sort of like, spins her hand and this like flesh sort of twirls around her and like 
in the air and forms like a character and glows. And V, you feel the arm that you used to shake Queen Willa's hand uh, with several days ago, like twitch. It kind of like a weird way it ripples up your arm. <laughs> like some sort of magic sort of like etching itself deeper into your muscle. Yeah, I think V holds up her arm and like feels it like sort of twitching. She's looking at it. She looks over to her party members uh, with a little bit of a... Uh, don't worry, I got this look in her eyes. Uh, and uh, as the magic sort of sinks, seeps into her, uh, she puts her arm down. I'm glad we could come to, to an agreement. This is wonderful. This is, uh, and she's looking at her hand a little bit in the side of her eyes. Uh, this is wonderful. This is great. Right where I got want to. Perfect. I'm glad we could come to an understanding as well, Vasanti. Now, the hour is growing late. The four of you should head off to dinner, don't you think? And maybe on that, uh, and Queen Mo with a very satisfied grin on her face, like opening up her fan again and sort of like fanning herself. We cut to Oka. Oka in the peach orchard, staring up into your mother father's eyes, reeling from this revelation that has dodged you for the past two decades more of your life. What do you do? Oka is like sitting now underneath the peach tree with their like back re like leaning against it. And I think they're like smoking one of their like hand rolled cigarettes, you know, in the orchard. Um, but they're like, there's this very, very pensive look on their face. I think your mother father is kneeling next to you, right? There's like maybe like a little stone platform, right? And like a little raised stone table. And they have, I think, you saw them summon a Gutian out of thin air. They sort of like swiped their hand over the stone tablet and like where their hand swiped, rippling into silvery existence is a very familiar looking instrument. You saw it once before in the dream shield when the ghost, ghosty memory, I think of Juan Ustoy wielded it against you and Wang Buotian. The Gutian, the paragon's weapon. But your mother father isn't using it as a weapon. They're just playing it. They sort of like pluck at the Gutian and like play this like very beautiful melody, right? That evokes, I think, running water and bird song and deep autumn leaves rustling against each other in the latest of fall. I think like a little silence has settled down as like you're smoking your hand rolled cigarette and the smoke sort of like wafts up to the sky. And I think kind of as they have been for the fast, past few minutes, like Oka's like very, very deep in thought and then they'll like kind of perk up and ask a question. And they, I think the first, this, this one that they ask is, why, why doesn't anyone know? Your stepmother, Gwilin, uh, Queen Moa, she was instrumental in my ascension to power. She was a long time ago, my one true love. My closest friend, my confidant, we shared a similar flame, a similar kind of ambition, vision for too long, a better too long, a dokao where no one would go hungry, where the emperor cared about the people. And I still owe her that. I could not be the man I am today without her. And... As part of my gratitude to her, I promised her the firstborn, that our child together 
Prince Mo Jingtian would become emperor after me. But I failed her. I failed your stepmother when I fell in love with your mother, Arden. I remember the first time we ever met. She was beautiful. But more than that, she was warm and intelligent and witty. And she wasn't afraid to speak her mind, even though I was emperor-to-be. I was arrogant. I thought I could have it all. I wanted you, Oka. I wanted to have you so badly. And I did, because I could, because I was the emperor. And in the process, I broke my promise to your stepmother. And so I gave her a new promise that no one would ever know. That you would be secondborn and remain secondborn forever. But now I see that was never enough for Guilian. She has always resented me. She has always resented Arden. And she has always resented you. And I think Oka goes back to smoking like quietly again. And eventually, I think they kind of perk up again. What is it about power that drives even people we love or loved or could have loved to hurt us, each other? Hmm. Your mother-father thinks about that for a long time and like continues stroking the Gutian and playing these beautiful melodies. And then finally, she says, Power doesn't corrupt, Oka. It reveals. It revealed the true nature of my father, Emperor Jir. It is revealing your true nature, mine. And now I realize... Guilians. There are some who would wield power like a battering ram, break down every door, smash open every taboo. Still others wield power like a dagger, cloaked in darkness, striking when least expected, prowling through the shadows. And still others wield power with grace and kindness standing up for those without and speaking truth to those with. Which one are you? And I think Oka takes their cigarette and they like hold it up in front of their face and they're looking at it and they're looking at their hands which are still like kind of pale and cold looking even though it's warm in the grove. And these like little bits of electricity like that come up off their hands I don't know I feel hungry and empty perhaps this will help and the emperor plays like plucks eight specific notes on the gutian and you see them float off of the strings like these glowing motes 
right? Silvery glowing boats of magic. And they float toward you, like through the haze of smoke in front of your eyes. And they sink into your chest. And they feel warm, really warm. Like you're drinking like nice hot tea on like a cold winter's day. And they seep deep, deep, deep into you. And you have a feeling they're seeping perhaps even into your soul. And like, this like, hot feeling like suffuses your entire body and you feel the nosh which ever since the paragon killer tore a part of your soul out of your body the nosh has felt like a, a terrified fox with like one of its limbs ripped off or something just sort of like cowering in the in the darker recesses of your of your mind you feel the nosh sort of like peek out and like rumble a little bit. And you see a bit of like red lightning sparking off your skin in alarm as Vinash feels these like eight motes of magic enter your soul and sort of like soothe the charred and serrated and torn edges of your soul, right? The hole that was carved out of you by the chisel of the Paragon Killer. It sort of like, I guess for lack of a better word, heals it a little. Doesn't return your soul to you but stabilizes you spiritually. And you feel for the first time since your soul was taken from you, a little bit more centered. And your mother father says, huh, your tea is blocked. That's what everyone keeps fucking telling me. Um, but I think Oka had at that point just kind of like tipped their head back against, you know, like there's like a little thunk as the back of their head hits the tree. Um, and they like look up at the, like that one, pedal that's still all the way up. I can have my second wife take a look at that for you. It's unusual. It radiates from the spot where the Tzilian... They sort of trail off. They don't have to finish that sentence necessarily. Yeah. Uh, I have someone else working on it right now, too. <laughs> I see. Oka, there's something I have to tell you. Please don't tell me there's more. Is there more? There is always more, child. Like it or not, the world moves when we're not looking at it. Mengshen Jirdi has shown me another vision. A vision that, given the memories I saw from you just now, finally makes sense. In my original foreseeing of my own assassination, we had always assumed that the assassin, this paragon killer, their intention was to destroy both myself and the god shard of Mengshen Judi residing within me. But in this new vision, everything is still the same. I am admiring the first snow of winter out here in this courtyard, actually, when a blade pierces me through the back. But I see it in sharper relief now. It's not a blade. It's a chisel of refined gold. It lashes through my chest, and it takes with it Mengshen Judi. For some reason, the assassin's intentions have changed. They originally wanted to destroy us both, but now they want to capture my god shard, not kill it outright along with me. I don't know why. I don't know how. Perhaps your investigations have drawn some attention to yourselves. This is exactly what I did not want. Fine, 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 fine. That's still better. Yes. There is a thread of hope 
the process of capturing my god shard instead of destroying it wouldn't kill me outright. But it would. And your mother father's eyes linger on your exhausted frame. Weaken me. Considerably. And, and now Oka's doing the fucking calculus, right? Like, they're, like, thinking about Dewey. They're thinking about uh, the lich jars, the god jars, the, 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 the um, bloodthirst's tail, right? They're thinking about everything. I have an idea. And Ani's saying that. And your mother-father's puzzled expression. We cut. To the five of you reconvening for dinner. I think we cut to the guest quarters, which is sort of like your headquarters this entire time. Um, we smell like like bubbling. I think maybe you're having hot pot for dinner. Like we smell like bubbling broth. We push in through a wood lattice window to see Manaya, Dewey, V, and Rev, I think, like sitting around like a round table enjoying hot pot. Right, with like raw meat set off to the side, dipping sauces, and like a big pot of like bubbling with fire underneath uh, of broth and vegetables inside. Uh, can I make a, a slightly different request for how we enter this scene? Uh, sure. What's up? So, we enter through the fog of the window of the the water boiling, the smells of the hot pot, uh, which I think is abruptly cut by a loud snap. As Manaya hardly slaps V across the face <gasps> and says, "What were you thinking?" V is actually uh, ever since like I also got home uh, has been very uh, not her usual jovial self. She's was been she's ever since they le- left the bedding parlor. She's been a bit. Uh, sp- withdrawn and so i think the slap in a way like at first there's this glimmer of like rage in v and then she almost like limps away and she sort of like sits down she's like i don't know oh you would know exactly what i'm talking about i got us further information i got us a time and place to meet with handler i protected all of you from having to make a very bad deal I don't understand what your problem is. I just helped you all. And V is like visibly upset. Manaya, matching that, that uh, emotion of upset, you put yourself in the worst harm's way you could have possibly done. V, I get it. Scott and Nectus, risk and reward. There is no reward for this risk. V, you are going to get... V, uh... Just lets out like a grunt, like, look, I promise you, I'm taking care of it, okay? I've got a plan. Yes, it's risky. Yes, Scott and Nectus. But I promise you that there is something more than what you see going on here. And I am doing my best to try and protect you all, including Oka, but it's going to look... And V realizes she can't say some of the stuff she wants to say. You have to trust me, Manaya. I've got a plan. 
I think there's a loud crack of steel against concrete as Manaya drops her axe uh, and marches way too close to V, her head uh, towering over V's face. And she says, well, why don't you enlighten us on what you are thinking? There's this moment of tension. They're just like nose to nose. V finally uh, dimension doors to the other side of the room and starts preparing a plate and this food that's getting ready. I can't tell. V whips around to Manaya. Manaya, remember how our little friend, who's now sitting in prison, can't tell us everything that's going on? This is the same, same, same. I can't tell you things, okay? You were there. You saw me. You saw me with the queen. I saw you make a deal with the first queen. I know you were there when Oka warned us about the first queen. They said not to talk to her. They said not to make deals with her. They said that she couldn't be trusted with anything and that we should assume they know everything. And yet you would march right up to her, shake her hand, all but shake her hand, making a... Oh, trust me, I did shake her hand. Ugh, Manaya, I understand you're upset. I understand it looks very, very bad. But you wanted the room. There was no way we were getting that room. She and... um. V's almost like in a little bit of broken chew a little bit. Uh, she had the higher ground. She was above us on the cliff. There was only one... In a language I know, please, V. <sighs> Manaya, sometimes you have to strike a deal with your greatest enemies in order to survive the moment. You all are acting as if for that entire scene back at the bathing parlor, you're all acting like we can't just get along with people we don't want to get along for just a few moments, just so we can maybe try to prevent something, try to prevent fate and destiny. Do you know how hard that is? I've been running for, from destiny all of my life. It's not easy, and sometimes you have to do hard things, and I'm not happy about it, all right? I'm not glad that I did it, but I did it, and I will fix it. It's going to be okay. Manaya exhales for a long time. It was very evident she was holding her breath, and she says, It shouldn't be your job to protect all of us. Keeping secrets like this, making deals, taking risks of your own life. What happens if the third wife does something unforgivable and we have to put her in her place? What happens then, V? I refuse to strike you down. I want everyone to be safe. It shouldn't fall to you. It should be me. On Manaya saying that, we cut to the other side of of the dining room where I think the reason why Rev hasn't intervened on V's behalf is because she's currently caught up in a scene with Dewey. 
And I think it starts with like Rev like trying to like compile her bowl, right? She's like reaching into like the hot pot and she's like kind of intentionally muscles Dewey, like kind of like roughly like elbows him out of the way. <laughs> Excuse me. And she like reaches with her chopsticks like into the broth. Hey, that's I put that mushroom in there. Oh, really? Funny that it's in my plate. Oh, and now it's in my mouth. <sighs> Dewey scoops out the rest of whatever is in the pot into his own bowl. Are you kidding me, Dewey? Ever heard of the, the the concept of a communal dinner? Not that you'd know anything about sharing, would you? Mr. Secrets. Not if you just take it from me, like you took my mushroom. It's easier done than said. Uh, and Rev reaches over and tries to take food from your bowl. Nah. No, okay, I'm let's make a contested out of my way. Yeah, yeah, a contested, like, dex- sleight of hand check, I think. <laughs> She's not very dexterous. She's mostly strong. Okay, tell me what you get. Ooh. Uh, 17. I got 25. <laughs> Do not touch my food. Hey, you stop. Ugh. And I think you like, keep like, dodging your bowl. Yeah, she's like going at it with her chopsticks. You stop. Ugh. And she just ends up slapping, like with like strength, right? No finesse here. She just slaps your hands and slaps the bowl out of your hands. And it spills across the wood. Ugh. What's your fucking problem? What's my problem? What's your fucking problem? Why can't you just let me eat in peace? Why can't you just let me exist in peace? <laughs> exist in peace? <laughs> exist in peace? You think you can exist in peace? You're a fucking paragon, Dewey. There is no peace. At least I'm trying to do something to change that. <laughs> change what? The course of destiny? Tough fucking luck. I haven't given up on it. <laughs> that is so easy for you to say, Dewey. When we talk about the ways destiny has fucked us all over, I think you've got the longest end of the stick. You want to elaborate on that? Huh. Rev just sort of like, I think she's like breathing really heavily, like looking down at you, right? And like this like overturned bowl of hot pot, like smashed on the ground between the two of you. How long has the myriad been hunting you exactly? Like, between a year and two years. Two years? Two fucking years, Cardu? And he hasn't killed you yet? Why? Why aren't you dead? You had something to do with that. <laughs> I, I met you after the cataclysm. He's been hunting you for longer than that. I don't know. I don't know these things. I don't know the myriad. You don't know the myriad, and yet you responded to the fact that he was a dog-headed demon. Have you met him, Cardu? <sighs> and I think, like, Rev just sort of, like... <sighs> like, so much of the anger just, like, deflates out of her shoulders. And, like, she sort of slumps, right? And, like, her, like, feather-dappled cape just sort of, like... <sighs> like, around her shoulders. My... <sighs> Fuck, Dewey. My wife yeah i had a wife her her name it doesn't matter before i became this okay before i became this thing that can't bleed doesn't have to breathe i was i was i was a person okay i was a drow and and i loved someone and she loved me back. And for some reason, one day, when we were traveling 
from the court somewhere. It doesn't even matter now anymore for some stupid funeral rite because she was a priest and I, I was there to help her. The myriad came. He found us in Northern Talmud, the Badlands. He, he said, there was a hit out on leaf. And he was the one to carry it out. I tried to fight him off, Dewey. I tried I tried to beat him, but he was No. I I was too weak. But I thought I begged. I told him, kill me instead, take me. But please, whatever you do, just spare the leaf. And he did. He killed me. And as I lay there on that red rock, dying, bleeding out, I saw him kill her too. And he did it right in front of me, when he knew I was still alive. And he knew I was alive enough to watch, to watch my own failure. So why, why? has this cruel, dog-headed motherfucker killed Leaf and let you live. I don't know. I don't know what he wants. If he's gonna kill me, I wish he would just fucking get it over with. Probably deserve it. (sighs) You deserve it? (laughs) You look like you sprang into existence in a box eating saltine crackers. What have you ever done? Destroyed things for pay? Destroyed the way things work? How the world breathes? What are you talking about, Dewey? My work at the URL? It wasn't just inventing silly little knickknacks. They had me making weapons, explosives, and I never questioned what they were being used for. I was just... A hitman carrying out a hit. Well, at least you didn't have to do it directly. Is that better? No. Dewey, I know I've treated you pretty poorly. For the past, well, probably ever. It's because whenever I look at you, I just see... I just see my own failure mocking me. Well, I'm still here. That's a thing you've continued to be successful at. (laughs) It's not like the Myriad has tried to attack you since we traveled together. Probably can't get past the Dream Shield. I don't know why. We're we're all at his whim. (laughs) Who knows why demons do what they do? All they want is to kill seek pleasure from killing that's how they work isn't it i don't know about this one (laughs) what what do you mean it seems like he wants information from me as weird as that sounds well if he ever comes sniffing around you i'm killing him and that's that oh yeah that's all yours Rev sort of gets down on her knees and starts, like, cleaning up the mess that she made. The shattered bowl and the soup spilled across the varnish. 
I think we like pan back now to Manaya and V. <sighs> Sorry, V. I, I I want to be the protector so badly. I want to put myself in harm's way, and I. It's hard for me to see others doing the same for me. Manaya, <laughs> you were there for me when I ran into Sievert. I owe you one. Let me protect you this time. I just don't want you to end up like Nal. Hey, guess what? I had an idea. Uh. <clears throat> oh, uh, hi. Uh, you know the hot pot is boiling over? Shoot! Uh, uh. And Manaya like rushes over to try to take the stuff off the fire and everything. Oka is wearing a peach blossom tucked behind, like dangling off one of their earrings. It looks kind of stupid, I think, but it's also <laughs> cute. You're looking a little bit more in a pleasant mood since last we saw you. And V's like the little bit of hot pot on V's plate that she had managed to scoop up. Like she's like just kind of stuffing it into her mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's a lot, but I... For once, I feel like I'm doing better than whatever is happening in here. Did you miss me too much and start fighting each other? Well, we hadn't gotten to the I cast fireball on the room stage of, the, of what was happening, so I think... Yeah, I think we uh, narrowly avoided the rest of the uh, other fire that might have happened, and Manaya brings the pot down to the table. Uh-huh. How... Uh, and Oka kind of sits down and, like, brushes off their own table setting, which had, like, I think, like, little splatters from Dewey's bowl getting knocked over and kind of, like, looks, two, three, four, down their own plate. And then they start, like, taking uh, from the pot. How did the... How did the interrogation go? Uh... So... The spy's working for the chrysalis. That's all we really know. Can't tell us the face, can't tell us the names, because they'll die, I guess, if they do. Uh, they're supposed to meet with the handler, uh, I think in a few days. The first day of the wedding ceremony, actually, when the dignitaries arrive in Mu Piao's garden. 8pm sharp. How serendipitous. For us. Good. I would very much like to meet the handler. Uh, Dewey. I was able to put some um, failsafes in place. The Emperor's vision has changed. The Paragon Killer is no longer killing Paragons. They are now trying to take the God Shards from us while leaving our souls intact, if not a little... Uh, broken like a hole getting punched out in a specific way why would they do that if keeping us alive would just mean we could get them back they must be pretty damn confident that we couldn't especially and oka kind of like slides a long glance at dewey especially if they were able to hold the gods somehow well i'd be happy to prove them wrong <sighs> What are they doing with the god shards? Why do they want them? Why were they trying to destroy them before and now want to keep them? What changed? Did they steal I my assumed. tech? What? Tech? 
Oko's like, I was trying to give you an out, buddy. They just kind of like look into their bowl. What tech, Dewey? Well, now it doesn't matter. No, no, I think, uh, I think it matters, uh, Dewey. Dewey was trying to help me, trying to make a device that could patch up the hole in my soul, that could uh, protect me, basically make me a lich in case my body died, since my soul is detaching itself. Okay, okay, make a deception check, and anyone who wants to oppose it, make an opposed insight check. <laughs> Rev has really high wisdom from the Raven Queen, so I hope you can beat, beat my roll. We have an auto crit. <laughs> We do not. We do not have an autocrit on the board. Manaya's not going to roll insight, but she's going to ask, what's a lich? I've heard the term before, but... It's somebody who has been able, through research and divine excellence, to extend their lifetime beyond its limits. Divine excellence? Are you fucking kidding me? Divine expertise. I am essentially a lesser version of a lich. I would say that's true. Lesser indeed. Hey, what? Okay. Hey. Whoa, whoa. Uh, I also rolled a 23. Deception. Fuck. <laughs> Rev, Rev got a 22. Rev got a 22. Damn. Okay. <laughs> okay, so maybe with a 22 against a 23, what does Rev get? Uh, that Oka is sticking their neck out for Dewey. <sighs> Oka, I thought we were bros. Well, we are. We're bros. You could just be wrong sometimes. <laughs> I don't think that I, a court denizen who grew up reading the Raven Queen's scriptures, would have a wrong interpretation of what a lich is and isn't. It is a profane existence, Manaya. It's when your soul is separated from your body and refused to pass the veil between the now and the after so you achieve quote-unquote immortal life. It is a forever undeath. Yes, and only the most experienced and, again, divinely appointed wizards, mages of Mengshen Shirdi would be able Excuse to do me, such okay. a thing. That's like saying a serial killer is good at their job because they can get away serial killing without getting caught. Being a lich is nothing to aspire to or nothing to admire. Maybe not in the court. Uh, not anywhere. Wait, 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 wait. Circle back. Soul out of your body. The whole thing. Your soul is transferred to a vessel, the entirety of it. It is a rigorous, violent, often impossible task, but again, some skilled mages, many of whom have been the emperors of Tulong's- Of course you're pro-lich, you're Tulongan. Look at your history. What happens if the body dies without the soul in it? It reforms. Which means the soul would be safe. As long as the phylactery is safe, yes. So then anyone supposedly killed in, say, an assassination attempt? No, we are not turning the emperor into a lich. See, it's not a crazy idea for someone to have been pursuing this idea all along. Wait, you were pursuing this idea? But now it's obsolete because we're not after the killer is after the god shard, which kind of puts a foil in my plans. Not the soul itself. Could the god shard go into this Phil... Phil Colin... What did you call it? Philactory. We have less than a few days until the wedding ceremony begins. The process of creating a phylactery is months long. Even for the most powerful of wizards, it takes blood sacrifices, tributes, okay? 
The creation of a phylactery is profane. It's out of the question. I mean, we're already about three weeks in, so. Have you, uh, what, have you been homebrewing a phylactery in your hole, Dewey? Dewey turns away from Ralph. Dewey? It's a jar. What's a jar, Dewey? Speak carefully. And you see that Rev holds out her hand and grim shimmers into existence. I'm with Dewey on this one, bro. Just put the scythe away. I'm not gonna hurt Dewey. I just want to know. What jar? It's a jar not homebrewed in my hole. It is a thing I made that was supposed to be to carry a a part of a soul and a god shard until we could restore them to their rightful owners. What? If someone to, were to die, like one of us. Where is the jar? Where is the jar, Dewey? Oh, uh, it's out in Dokao. Uh, was not working it on it here, so chill. Wh- where in Dokao? Do you just have a storage unit somewhere? It's at uh, Kilana and Tarnox. They've been helping me out. Don't take us out on them. But, but the flower people? They're Grandpa Hien's contacts, right? Wait, Grandpa Hien? Oh, did we not tell you? Uh, shit, okay, that's how we got into the- into Dokao in the first place. We met your grandpa. He's very nice. I just... The Emperor, the Vision, they're after the god shards now, which means that they either have a way to hold them, or they want to use them somehow, like... Bloodthirst did. Well, and if wait, Bloodthirst. Th- if they can hold them, why can't? Emmanuel turns to Dewey. Uh, well, that didn't go over so well for Bloodthirst, if you remember. It's corruptive and corrosive, Manaya. Even Vanash is. And Oka kind of trails off. It would be temporary, but it would be something. It would give us time, at least. I guess that's what Dewey was trying to do with this ridiculous god jar concept. <sighs> okay, Tarnok and Kilohana have, what, a prototype? How do you know if it's gonna work? <laughs> I... I don't. And you... Th- you Hold on, hold on, hold on. The Emperor's new vision. So you think that the Paragon Killer stole your research notes? Oh my god. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Dewey, where are you going? It has just now dawned on Dewey that maybe sharing all the aspects of this whole assassination plot and his plan to save the world with some randos he just met, and then supplying them with all the information and resources and money that they would need. Oh my god, wait, have inspiration! That's fucking hilarious! <laughs> Let's just keep having this conversation with all of us sprinting, like, I think? No? Yes? Yeah. Yeah. Because Manaya was about to get up and be like, right, uh... V, come with me. Oka, Rev, stay here. Unless... Uh, no, we're all going. Come on, let's go, go, go. Uh, and Oka, like, like, uh, like, shovels a bunch of Napa cabbage into their mouth and starts running. Yeah, Rev, like, grabs a bunch of, like, meat. <laughs> and, like, like, grim, you know, and out. We're out, we're out. And I think, like, we see, like, the our party, like, booking it. Like, huffing it through, like, the slumbering palace. Like, running, like, out of, like, the main gates. V isn't gonna run, but she's just gonna keep casting Dimension Door to get, like, 500 feet in front of the group all the way to wherever they're going. 
And so oh you just God. like, they keep, they run past V and the, she's just chilling, eating a bowl. And then like a little bit later down the line, they run into V again, like just chilling on against the wall. Okay, I want you to mark off those spell slots, just so you know. <laughs> just yeah, so you I, know. I got enough sorcery points to make this work. We got a long okay. trip, I'm sure. Oh my god, okay. I think at some point, uh, Manaya like, passes a V and is just like tired of this and like swings her over her shoulder, just potato sack, and keeps booking it. <laughs> yeah, V, do you understand the gravity of like where we're going to possibly... <laughs> to confront. Do you understand the gravity that we can't trust anybody in this city right now because anybody in this city could have been the handler now? And why we should stay together. Stop. Nobody blips out of existence anymore. And, and Rev like un uninvisibilizes herself. <laughs> Got it. Dewey. Uh, uh, and Oka's, Oka's thinking. They're thinking and running and eating cabbage at the same time. They're doing all three at once. Uh, Oka's like, the... They want just the god charts. They don't even want our souls anymore. It, it, it means that they could know that... I don't know why, 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 why? Dewey, where are we going? Are we going to the sculpture place? Yeah, uh, yes, I think. But now that V's mentioned that, I guess I forgot that thieves exist. Uh, and it could <sighs> be just, anyone. Let's just go there, okay? That, that's where the lead is. Let's go, let's go. Right. Dewey, was there any indication they could have tried halting the research? Any indication that they could be suspicious? That they're trying to halt the research in an attempt to get this all done before we had any chance to do this? Well, let's just ask them, huh? We're here. And like, I think all of you, yeah, I think you have been running through Dokao as you've been having this conversation. You all sort of skid in front of a stop in front of Tarnok and Kilohana's shop. And instantly, you all can tell that something is amiss. There's a light on but the front door is slightly ajar, almost like it's been kicked in a little. And there are like no animals, like no chickens. Like, almost like they ran away. Dewey, is this how they normally keep their door open? No, there are chickens. Right, Dewey behind me. V and Rev together, Oak in the middle. Rev, you take the backside in case we get ambushed. You got it. We go in slowly and we go in loudly. On my mark. Podcast editing is by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and explaintrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out explaintrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very very special thank you to our Patreon Paragons. Azura, Bradley, Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Emma, Hat, Conding, Lex Slater, Purple Mouse, Scruffisus, and Target.